This is episode 21 of the Lombard Trucking Podcast, or as they say in Mexico, Benti Uno. Welcome back, everyone. So glad you could be here. I know I was on a little bit of a hiatus. I was on a bachelor party in Tulum, Mexico. And to be perfectly honest, it went a little too long. I had gotten back on a Tuesday, and honestly, I probably could have left on Sunday. I was hurting. It took me probably 48 hours to get all of my natural energy back. And I'm a pretty in-shape guy. If you've been listening, you know I've ran a marathon. I stay fit out here. I do a lot of stretching. And Jesus, has that, if the, that trip just took it all out of me. When it comes to drinking alone, I, I, I've cut back on drinking into my 30s as opposed to what I've done in my 20s. You know, when we're all in our 20s, you could kill a 30 rack, wake up the next day and you know, go right, you know, go work out or something. You know, we used to do that in the Marines. Go get fucking hammered on a Tuesday night, black out, wake up Wednesday, go run three miles, cold shower. You're back in the fucking game, ready for a work day. Nowadays, yeah, that, that's not how it works. It starts to change a little bit when 27 comes and once 30 hits, it's like a sledgehammer. It's very rare you'll even catch me drink two days in a row, let alone just going out for one night. It hurts, and I feel like it's the healthier you get, the wor- the worse it feels. Like the better, the more in shape you are, if you drink, you're just you're you're literally because you're doing all this good for your body, and then it's just like you know dumping gasoline, you know da- down your throat. Meanwhile, but when I was bigger, when I was a heavier set dude, back in you know 2017, 2018, you know I could guzzle fucking beers, eat wings, do whatever, and then. You know, I was still able to kind of recover the next day, crack the neck, and get back at it. Like I said, now, that ain't really the fucking case. So, but I am back. Where have I been? What's been going on lately? I left you off. I was on my way. I was on my way home to go on this trip. I was on 69 South, 69 Nice in Oklahoma, heading down, if you remember the gentleman on the CB radio who gave me his 20. (laughs) So I got down to Texas to deliver a load, uh, like I, I believe I had mentioned it in the last episode, it was some feed, I believe, for a farm, for animals. As far That's what I said. That's what the bills said. So don't, don't go ahead and quote me on it. I'd have to go back and look. But I delivered that in, I forget the name of the town in Texas, middle of nowhere, south of I-20, west of Fort Worth, while I was there, I wanted to make a little bit more money to get home because I was still probably about 200 miles from Austin. And where, you know, you know, it's a, it's, you know, you're looking at almost a four-hour deadhead empty. And I mean, sometimes you'll have to bite the bullet if you really need to get back home or if you're really chasing another high-paying load. And I was, and I was ready to do that. You know, I we we budgeted well. I could pay for that fuel out of pocket if I need to. Not that big of a deal, but I knew I could make at least like another five, six hundred dollars doing something. There had to have been a short haul that could have picked up that day and delivered the next day or whatever. And I got it. And it was awesome. I only had to go 60 miles north of where I delivered. It was for Acme Brick. And I was shocked a lot of time that brick you'll see on the back of flatbeds. But this place is large enough. They have a dock you could back into. They load you straight back with bricks heavy load probably 44,000 probably right at max gross but I got some bricks and that delivered the next morning right in Temple which is a couple towns north of Austin 
easy, easy day pay, paying well over. It, it was paying like 350 a mile at that point. Short trip, short deadhead to get to the pickup. It was only like a hundred and something miles to Temple from where I picked it up. And I made 550 bucks, boom, right there. And then from Temple, I drove back home. I was home for about a day and a half. Then I flew to Mexico. And the thing is, now when you own your own business, and I've because so I've never felt this way before. Some of you guys have Sunday scaries, and I used to have that too. Uh, back when I didn't look forward to what I was doing for a living. But uh, you don't get Sunday scaries anymore when you're on a trip. You just get overall this general anxiety. So by that Sunday, when I was in Mexico, I'm already thinking, holy shit, I got I to gotta find my next load. Because by that point, a couple days out or wherever, or how, however you chalk it up, I'd like to have that load locked in so I can know, know my week ahead. Like I've mentioned in the previous episodes, I'm trying to know my at least my seven-day forecast of where I'm going, how much it's going to cost and everything, just to you know, have it all planned out so you're not just running, running and gunning the whole time. So that's when the anxiety, anxiety set in. Luckily, I had service down there, and I was eyeing some shit, eyeing some shit. Luckily, I ended up scoring something pretty decent uh, coming out of Waco. It's something I did as a company driver with R&R, and since I'm still leased under them as an owner-operator, uh, I have these opportunities to continue to do this, which is go deliver an empty trailer to Waco and grab used assets that they load in R&R's trailers, and I take a loaded trailer from Waco back up to Gravit, Arkansas. Now, these loads, the customer is technically Walmart. Walmart pays very well. Walmart specifically. Now, that's not to say... Now, I've taken... Like I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, I took a load that delivered to the D.C. in Bentonville, Arkansas. That load wasn't paying what Walmart will pay you. Still paid good. It was over three bucks a mile. But sometimes, but Walmart is legitimately, if you're doing stuff for them, they're paying market rates. By market rates, I'm saying that they are accounting for the fuel that's out there because we know that fuel is at record and all-time highs. Walmart is adjusting for that. So me being able to take that load from Waco back up to Gravit is a good deal. I'm making out ahead. I'm still cutting, at a, cutting a profit at the end of the day. From there, what was my next move? Because I have a wedding to go to in Connecticut the weekend of the 9th, 10th, 11th. So it was what was giving me a little bit more anxiety is like, okay, how am I going to make some money but also not get far enough or lose enough money or what have you to make sure that I'm in Connecticut for that weekend. And it it wasn't just like, when it comes to weddings now, when it comes to some of these events, I know as a business owner, and I hope my friends know that there's gonna be some things I'm gonna have to miss. There are sacrifices in life that you're gonna have to make if you want to build something or if you want to be successful. You know when you go on Instagram, you go on LinkedIn, you see all these motivational quotes about, you know, these people like you got to do the work and make the sacrifices and yada, yada, yada. All that is actually very true. <laughs> the thing is, people, what people think the sacrifice is, is, oh, I just need to stop drinking and work out more. And then I'll finally be, you know, in very good shape. Granted, yes, that is a sacrifice. But it's like, that's not the success that these people are talking about. They're talking about the success of being financially independent, uh, growing wealth. Etc. Like so, 
Now, are there are there certain sacrifices that you could do, like cutting down on drinking, that will help your wealth? Sure, because you're saving money. But what these quotes are talking about are, you're going to have to miss some birthdays. You're going to have to miss some weddings. You're going to have to miss certain weekends. You're going to have to miss certain dinners. You're going. There are things you're going to miss if you really want to grow wealth, financial security, all that good stuff. You got to put your head down, blinders on. And get after it that's really what i'm trying to do i almost ducked out of that mexico trip for that reason the only reason i didn't is because i had paid for it six months ago so really if i didn't go i was losing money at that point because i had already paid for it but i was ready to bail and just and chase the money and that's because that's where my head is at me and my business partner slash best friend jay we've got our eyes on a lot of things right now beyond just trucks trucking authority brokerage we're looking at a myriad of different stuff. But what that requires is time and focus and energy. And sometimes you can't make the things you want to make. And, you know, you apologize later. And I promise anything I do miss, I will make it up for anyone later. You can fucking put it in the record book right now as you hear it. But this is a weekend that I did not want to miss, mainly because my wife is already going to be in town for a bridal shower. And we are going to be going to this wedding together. So it's, it's an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. Here's where I got lucky. And when it comes to being an owner operator, and I put this in my recent YouTube video is it's part luck, part finesse, part fucking, I don't know what the stars aligning, right? Because you know, you need to be someplace in two weeks, but you can't plan two weeks out how you got to get there. It just, you just got to make it happen. And that's what it is with this job. So I, I bring that Waco load back up to grab it. And once again, me and the logistics manager, manager John, we're looking at loads. And he's like, uh, and now just generally speaking, when it comes to Florida, the rates going out of Florida are absolutely abysmal. They're some of the worst in the country right up there with Florida. Or, sorry, <laughs> right up there with California. Sorry. I see that thing. I mixed them up because they're actually the same. Rates coming out. Now, going in, you may be able to find something that pays pretty good. But by pretty good, I'm talking just market rates, like above $3 a mile, between 3 and 350 Okay, good payday. But not, now if you're coming out, you could be taking a big fucking hit. And so that's a tough part. Colorado, same way. Colorado, there's shit paying sometimes 4 bucks a mile. And I might end up on one of these loads pretty soon because they're looking juicy. And eventually the stuff coming out is going to have to be at least halfway decent. But so John goes, you want to go to Florida? I was like, uh, not really. My business plan is to kind of stay south of I-70, east of 35. You know, uh, if I'm going to Florida, it better be the panhandle because that's where rates coming out are still kind of good. Or Jacksonville. I know rates are pretty good coming out of the port of Jacksonville. I'm like that's kind of my business plan because... I've mentioned it before, rates are highest, where fuel happens to be lowest, and that's Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Kansas, Nebraska, etc. That region, the middle of the country. And I was like, well, if you're asking me to go to Florida, you must you must know you're the one who told me that stuff coming out of Florida is bad. What do we got? He goes, Well, it's paying, you know, uh, like around fifty five hundred to take this QualSurf load. And I've mentioned QualSurf before. On the podcast, they're one of our customers that manufactures the stainless steel equipment that goes behind the counter of Dunkin' Donuts 
Walmart Vision Center, Dickie's Barbecue Pit, Papa John's, etc. He goes, this Qualserve low is paying 5500 going to Marathon, Florida. And so I was, I started looking, I was like, Ugh. and I'm thinking, I don't even know where the hell Marathon is at this point. And I'm racking my brain back, and he, I don't know what he did, but a few minutes later, he goes, oh, no, it's actually paying six grand. And I said, what? I look, I go on Google Maps, I bring up my calculator real quick. That's paying over $4 a mile to go that much of a distance from Fort Smith to Marathon, Florida. I looked up where Marathon is, smack dab in the middle of the Florida Keys. It's fucking paradise. So this load altogether is going to gross me more than what my highest grossing week has been as an owner-operator in one load. So I was like, yeah, let me get that. On top of that, John tells me that rates coming out of Florida, although still low, are still on a tad bit of a higher side because of produce season. So I don't haul reefer or a vented dry van trailer. I just have a standard 53-foot dry van trailer, as they call it in the business. So I'm not hauling produce. But because produce is available, and this is only like a three, four-week stint they got in Florida, all rates genuinely, genuinely raise during produce season. So he was telling me he was eyeing stuff coming out that wasn't that bad. No matter what, if I took this load going in, coming out, I'm still raking a good profit at the end of the day. Now, when you hear $6,000, and this is a little inside baseball being an owner-operator or just a business owner in general, just because that shit pays $6,000, i am not seeing $6,000 paycheck. Let's get that thing clear right there. As you know, I have an 80-20 split with R&R. That 20%, although what seems big, actually pays for a lot. And if I had my own authority at this point, I would probably be paying more of that 20% in insurance costs and trailer payments, as well as permits and fees alone. So the 80-20 split right now is actually very, very beneficial in this economy because of how things are. Like I said, I'm using R&R's trailers at no cost, which is a huge benefit and plus for our business. So after that 6,000, 20% clearly goes to R&R. We're getting 4,800. It's gonna cost about $1,000 in fuel and diesel exhaust fluid, okay. Then there, from there, we chisel a little bit to maintenance. We chisel to the truck. You know, we have a truck payment every month. And then a certain percentage goes to driver's salary. So that's the thing. You got to have it. You got to have a budget. You got to have a spreadsheet running a business, running a trucking business or being an owner operator is just like any business. You have to, you have to budget for certain things in order to survive. If you don't, that's how owner operators fail. And that's my advice. There's a, there's a, and that's, or it's not my advice. I feel like that has been a problem within the past few years with this industry. There was recently a trucking boom because of COVID. A lot of people's ears perked up. They got on YouTube, they saw dollar signs. So different people found different ways to invest. So they collected money out there they can. A lot of people got in the industry. A record number of motor carrier authorities have entered the market these past few years. And a lot of these people end up going bankrupt because they can't figure it out because it is a lot different than just picking stuff up, bringing it to from point A to point B and getting cash for it. It's not like helping your friend move with your F-150. It is a, it's a legitimate business and there's a way you gotta handle it. 
But anyways, I'm getting too off topic. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the most savvy businessman. That's why I have a business partner. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in the driver's seat of my own truck if it, if it wasn't for him. I wouldn't have been ready. It would have taken me another few years of learning and a lot of research and and everything like that. So I, I am blessed for that. I'm not the in like I said, so I'm not the savviest businessman, but it takes a little bit of that know-how to be able to take home a profit at the end of the day driving a truck. Because if you don't, if you just see that big money coming in, you send it out, you know, you just fucking send it out the the other way at the strip club or the chrome shop or whatever, you're gonna go bankrupt. That's just the name of the game. But anyways, okay, moving on. Sorry. See, I tried to get off and then I got back on. Now we're off again. So what's up now? I'm in Fort Myers, Florida, picking up my next load. That was that load I told you about how no matter what I get going out, I'm still going to make some money. So I found a load paying 3000 going from Fort Myers to Rocky Hill, Connecticut. Like I said, I knew this wedding was coming up. I knew it had been coming up for months. I didn't know how I was going to get there. But eventually, when the clock ticks a little closer... That's when you can figure it out. And what's crazy is, is I delivered this morning at that Dunkin' Donuts in Marathon, Florida. And as I went for a walk while I was getting unloaded, that's when I locked on this load. So I got to be in Connecticut this weekend. It's Monday. And I didn't figure it out until this Monday how I was actually going to get to Connecticut. Awesome load. It's um, from a some food some food shipper, food, food brands, King Food Brands, or whatever. I don't really know what this is that they're loading me with. But regardless, I've got this going straight to Rocky Hill, Connecticut. Uh, things have been good. Like I said, I have, past few weeks, I've had, a, you know, the, every single thought enters your mind. And, and even my, and my father called and spoke to me about this on the phone, and I've watched YouTube videos about it. As soon as you start working for yourself and as soon as you start running a business or as soon as you start going down this path as a human being, everything around you is going to be negative. Everything is taking a swing at you like a freaking haymaker. It's a sucker punch. Because if you look at it, I couldn't have picked the worst time. Imagine if I had done this two years ago when COVID happened and there was a big boom in the summer of 2020 where consumer goods were skyrocketing. And the demand was way up. Look at me now. I decided to enter this market with the highest fuel prices, record inflation, everything like that. It's just boom, pummeling you the fuck down, pummeling you, beating you down. There's not one piece of good news. I open my phone, nothing but bullshit. Everywhere you go, every YouTuber you follow, every other trucker YouTuber, my buddy Ken V, he's quitting. You know, all he's got, Asian My Trucking Channel. He's on there. I'm scared right now. These are people with a lot of influence, a lot of followers talking, I'm scared, I'm quitting, I'm doing this. What the fuck am I supposed to think? I can tell you exactly what I'm supposed to think, and it's only what I'm supposed to think. And I'm supposed to think about what I know, and I've got to do what I got to do to make it ahead. I'm not going to listen to these other clowns. The same way how I mentioned at the when I started this podcast, how I'm not going to be listening to people on what I should do with my life, because two years ago... This past week is when I moved to Texas and changed everything. And within those two years, what do we got? Changed my career. Got a new house. Worked at a few different companies. 
got my own business, started this podcast, ran a marathon, started a YouTube channel. These are all things that I could have never amounted to in my previous life back in Connecticut, or even if I had stayed in the Marines. I would have never had any of the drive or motivation to do this. When you jump out that plane with no parachute, you know, and you go out and the, you know, you go out like that, you know, that's, you know, that's where some of the magic happens. So I said, I'm not going to listen. So when it came to moving to Texas and all that, I'm not going to listen anymore. In the same way with right now, when it comes to trucking, when it comes to fuel prices, when it comes to the, the, what I am calling the national epidemic of negativity in this country and the lack of American leadership at the highest levels, top down, I don't give a shit. We're moving forward. So I have a, so my only thing is it's, it's either you're, you're with me or you're not at this point. That's my mentality. Either we're all in this together so we can all eat or if not, please just stay to the side, keep it to yourself because at the end of the day, if all I'm going to hear is just nothing but negativity, it's now wasting my time, in which my time is money. But that's enough about that. I brought you up to speed. We're all back on the same mile marker. Hey, I, before I get into the ad read, I, I want to give a quick shout out to Keepers Only uh, because they reached out to me on Instagram. They're big fans of me, my content, the Instagram what I'm talking about, everything like that, what I'm doing. They think it's awesome that we got to connect and be able to, you know, you know, they were able to give me a promo code. Um, and look, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I wear their shirts. I, I'm wearing their merchandise. I went on a bike ride in Marathon, Florida, wearing one of their long sleeve fishing shirts. Keeps sweat off you, keeps the bugs off you. I can't recommend this stuff enough. It's super comfortable. It's a small business, just like yours truly. So definitely help them out, out there. It says it in the ad read to use the promo code. And uh, let's take it from there. Here's a word from me and your sponsor, Keepers Only. This episode is brought to you by Keepers Only. Keepers Only is an eco-friendly and sustainable clothing brand out of New York. Guys, founder Derek Ciliota. Grew up spending his summers in Montauk, New York, on the water. And at the young age of five years old, grew a deep passion for fishing. So much so that it inspired him to create this clothing brand today. With summer around the corner, you're going to want to get some of this apparel, guys. Hoodies, joggers, bucket hats, ball caps, and their very cool, comfortable fishing shirts. And if you're a trucker like me, those fishing shirts will actually come in handy. Because where sunlight and UV rays are good for you, you're behind the wheel of a truck and in this windshield. It's like being in a permanent greenhouse. Protect yourself. Fishing shirts from Keepers Only. And for all of you out there, you got to go to keepersonly.co and use promo code Lombard Trucking at checkout. That's keepersonly.co and use promo code Lombard Trucking to get 15% off your order. And we're back. So there isn't a lot going on in current events that I wanted to talk about that I really haven't already touched base on in previous episodes. But I would be remiss to not say that my heart does go out to the children and families down there in Uvalde, Texas. I've been through Uvalde before a couple times when I was working with Pam Transport, pulling Walmart trailers. It's such a small, quaint, nice, quiet, salt-of-the-earth, blue-collar town. 
uh, an unimaginable tragedy that happened down there, a loss of life. Uh, like I said, my heart does go out to those children and those families. Uh, it's absolutely horrible. Uh, I'm not ready to begin any sort of gun control debate. That's not the direction I want this podcast to go in. I feel as though it's not my place. However, what I will say is that the actions of the Uval Police Department have only confirmed to me that I not only need, but probably should own my own firearms. And I'm going to leave it right at that. Other than that, I've heard that the president is recently supposed to travel to Saudi Arabia uh, to talk a little bit of a little bit of oil prices. Now, I'd prefer him travel to the Permian Basin to go talk about this and, uh, you know, start getting some answers from maybe some of these oil executives. But like I said, I'm not the president, so I don't call these shots. But at the end of the day, I'm also not going to complain. I don't give a shit at this point. Like I said, yes, we're running this as a business and we're doing all right. Requiring a little bit more time on the phone, a little bit more hustle, a little bit more work. Maybe that's normally been required in the past. But I'm not uh, opposed to any methods of lowering the price of oil, not only myself, but other Americans out there. So, you know what? Go to Saudi Arabia, buddy. I'm not going to stop you. That's all I'm going to say regarding that. I was recently watching a YouTube video. It was a deep dive into the movie Fight Club, and if you've seen it, and you know, you'll know what I'm talking about as I, you know, kind of move forward. But you know, the deep dive basically talks about how the narrator of the movie, played by Edward Norton, you know, basically meets Tyler Durden, played by Brad Pitt, and the the, the character of Tyler Durden is who the narrator kind of strives or who he wants to be. It, it's it's everything that he wishes. His life could more so be like give him, you know, give him a sense of meaning or whatever. Uh, I think the reason why the movie resonates with so many people and why it became so many popular is because the life of the main character is really just where we've gone as a species or, you know, as men, as, you know, women as well. And just as human beings and how civilization has gone. This guy works a job. The narrator, I'm speaking, Edward Norton, works this. He's a slave to the nine-to-five job, working for some insurance company. Hates it. Um, all he gives a shit about is the furniture in his condo. He thinks he just needs to be checking all these boxes in order to be complete. Until eventually his condo winds up lighting on fire and he loses everything. And you know that's when he becomes friends with Tyler Durden. He starts Fight Club, which leads into Project Mayhem. He hits what's called a rock bottom. He's lost it all. And only after that point, he's free to become anything he wants to be. And I think that there's a really good lesson in that. And I kind of talked about it in previous episodes. And I mentioned it earlier in this episode about jumping out of the plane with no chute. And uh, I really think that it is the only way to address some of our societal issues. Is we need to, there's a phrase out there called burn the ships. And I think that's what you do. You need to do out there if you're listening or if you know somebody who needs this you need to burn the ships that's what we need to do collectively kind of as a civilization now i'm not saying go out there and you know commit random acts of violence like they do in fight club but i think people just need to keep quitting their jobs 
I think people need to keep uh, keep at it, realize that this isn't the life we wanted, you know, going down this path. Um, I think it's reasons why we find the things like the Ukraine war so popular in the United States compared to Europe. See, in Europe, they don't work until they die. And people may argue, oh, well, their GDP is not as high as the United States. I don't think GDP is indicative of overall happiness. Um, also, there's not as many people who are obese who go through chronic uh, diseases over there as well as the U.S. because they don't poison their food and they don't have cities built around cars all the time. And I went off on a rant on that in the previous episode. But the U.S. is so popular. They, have, they think that the Ukraine war is so popular in the U.S. because they're seeing a people have a purpose again. This is their first you know, war that Americans have kind of seen where uh, people basically on the same class of country, Ukraine is in some third world nation. This is a country that has families and jobs very similar to ours. And these people are fighting a patriotic war against an oppressor or invader. And Americans, we don't, we don't have any sort of purpose or goals anymore. Our goals are only to get rich or be popular on Instagram. There's nothing that drives us. We don't have the energy to go out and hunt. We don't need to hunt for our food. We're not that hungry anymore. These people in Ukraine now, it's life or death. They have a choice. Either fight or die or run. Many are choosing to fight. And in America, we find that so brave and we salute it. We're even seeing their leadership out there doing it. We're seeing their president out there with his flag jacket on. And now I've mentioned and I know that there is a lot of propaganda on both sides with this. Eastern Europeans, Russians, Ukrainians, they are big on, you know, uh, aggrandizing and, you know, admit and making things look, you know, better or more powerful as they come. That's kind of in that, you know, that's their culture, so, so to speak. But, you know, we're seeing their leadership take extreme ownership and accountability. We don't have that in the United States. We have a president who couldn't take, who can't take ownership of anything. He blames all of America's problems on anyone but himself. The vice president does the same. Our Congress does the same. I was just on Twitter today. Ted Cruz blames Texas's power grid and energy on the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal doesn't exist. And Ted Cruz is on Twitter blaming Democrats for his own state's problems. Joe Biden is blaming baby formula on on something else like no one in our government can take ownership of anything at all but yet we look overseas and we see ukraine taking ownership we see their president taking extreme ownership we look at that these people have purpose it's because they're hungry in the frederick nietzsche book thus spoke zarathustra he talks about how man is the greatest hunter but when you give man his food, he loses that ability. And now I'm misquoting this, and I know he speaks it a little bit more articulate than I do. But you kind of know what I'm getting at. We've put ourselves into a system and society where we don't have to hunt anymore for our food. Everything is given to us. Literally, all of the things you need to survive are readily at your disposal, even if you are poor or low income. We're one of the few countries in the world that has poor people or somehow obese. Normally, that's not the case. Normally, the poorer you are, 
the more lean you are. We see that in the old Chinese dynasties. And the old Chinese dynasties, the, the royalty were, were the fat, plump ones, while the peasants and the plebeians were more of the lean and skinny ones because they were the ones who were doing all the working and they all had the less amount of food. We don't hunt anymore, which is why I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, in two years, I've accomplished more than I did throughout the entire decade that was my 20s, if you, if you, if you think about it in many ways. So my advice, burn the ships. Go out and quit your job this week. Don't have a plan. Because if you quit, if you don't have a plan or anything or any sort of job lined up, you're going to be hungry. You're going to fight hard. Uh, I know I kind of rambled on in that segment, and maybe I made some sense, maybe I didn't. But um, I really just wanted to let that rip because I don't think I could do that over or edit or edit it to make it sound any sort of better. Um, would love to talk to you about what I just you know, spoke about. These are things that I think about as I drive. Like I said, I listen to podcasts and information and deep dives about multiple things. I read Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Might have to read it a second time. It's a very confusing book. I highly recommend it. I've had a couple questions recently. People have asked me, how do you, why do you end your podcast the way you do? And I actually learned how I wanted to end the podcast from another podcast I listened to. I forget if it was Donnie Wahlberg or whichever actor it was from Band of Brothers, but they would work and speak with the real Dick Winters from Band of Brothers, uh, who is, you know, the, the main character played by Damian Lewis in the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers, which is about the 101st Airborne specifically and Easy Company and their uh, tour through Europe from D-Day all the way up until the end of World War II. And as I'm recording, uh, it is so fitting that this is the anniversary of D-Day for Operation Overlord, as it was called on June 6th, 1944. And... During the filming of Band of Brothers, like I said, I, I, I'm forgetting if it was Donnie Wahlberg or another actor, but they were always in communication with the, the real Dick Winters as it was filmed. Um, they had this book they referred to as the Bible that had a lot of a lot of first count information uh, regarding, um, you know, the adventures, I guess, or journey of Easy Company, as you want to call it. And after they would get off the phone or after he would get done visiting him, Dick Winters lived in Pennsylvania after he left the military. After he was done visiting him or after he was done speaking with them, he would always tell them at the end of their conversation, you know, I, I'll, you know, Donnie Wahlberg, whoever it was, would say, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll talk to you soon or I'll see you soon, whatever, you know, he would say goodbye to him. And the last thing that Dick Winters would always tell him was, I'll be here. Just as a friendly way, you know, that was his goodbye. His goodbye was, I'll be here. And so, and I picked that up and I thought that there was a lot of meaning behind that. And what was sad was that there was one last time that Dick Winters told him, I'll be here. And, you know, in, uh, after his you know, funeral and his eulogy, you know, they, they had mentioned that. It's just, it's a powerful statement. And I want you and anybody listening or anybody who even isn't listening to just know that at the end of the day, if you do ever want to talk, I'll be here.